Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. This is a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like breaking up, Mm. but we're harder to do. (laughs) I'm trying to make us sound mysterious, all right? Yeah, that's why it's been three and a half years since Three and a half years. My name is Bibi Lynch. I'm Miranda Kane. And who are we chatting with today, please? Oh, we got another friendo show, Rosie Wilby. I'm Rosie Wilby, and I'm a comedian, podcaster, and author of two books, Is Monogamy Dead? and The Breakup Monologues. Welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, comedian, podcaster, author, and friendo show. It's only Rosie Wilby. Miranda, Yay. she's back. I know she's God back. knows why. <laughs> <laughs> Some people never learn, do they? So what's yeah. wrong with Rosie Wilby? <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's hey. lovely to join you? you. I mean, it's oh, different. Is it? Is it? Well, it is. But obviously, last time I joined you live in your studio. Yeah. So this time you don't get the smell. So that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yes. And Rosie, last time you were in a bikini. What was that about? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I mean, you say that. I wasn't in a bikini then. But I have done performances in a bikini when I was part of my good friend Liz Bentley's synchronised swimming team at Edinburgh Fringe one year. So you joke about bikini wearing, but... I have been known to strut the stage in a bikini, a polka dot Primark bikini, no less. <laughs> oh, nice. I think we should park that, Miranda. <laughs> and we can use that at any stage that we need it in this, in this interview, but that is too much. Hey, Rosie. Is it going to be Itsy Bitsy Wilby's teeny yellow part? <laughs> oh, I had Work it. I it. had it in my Work head. On it. Work on it. I had it. We've got half an hour. I'm going to write that down. So I would like to say, Rosie Wilby, congratulations on your new book. Despite my jealousy, I shall continue <laughs> to talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting such success with it. Well done. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you. Well, it's hard. when you're sort of in the middle of it, you don't kind of know how well it's going because, I mean, reviews and people posting on social media and all that is one thing, and that's absolutely lovely. And, uh, mm. Bibi, you posted a lovely post. Thank you so much for that. I mean, oh, you're welcome. I don't think Miranda's posted anything, but there we are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> the but, God. Did, I tell you what, she did come and guest on the podcast and <laughs> in mighty fine yes. style, and she was marvelous. Ah, um, oh, thank you. So, so no, you're both you're both my favourites, both of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, preempting the most important question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, both. Yeah. I know it's all, well it always done. comes up, doesn't it? But <laughs> no, look, yeah, no. So it's really good, but um. Yeah, I think publishing is a weird world where it's almost impossible, even if you're the person who wrote the book, to find out if anyone's actually buying it, you know. Mm. <laughs> so so uh, on the one hand, it does feel really great to have these nice reviews and people talking about the book and doing lots of wonderful interviews with podcasts like, like this one, which is, of course, the best one. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's it's also this kind of weird thing that you've no idea really if the publisher thinks it's it's going well because you don't sort of find out until you know years later when they actually send you a royalty statement <laughs> so it's it's, <laughs> it's this weird archaic world where the wheels turn very very slowly and they've not really caught up with the, the fast paced nature of the the online world that we have now but that must be so frustrating because that we all get that immediate 
kind of gratification at the moment, don't we? In, in everything that we do, really, uh, online podcasts that happens quite quickly. But so to to actually write a book, how long it takes to write, to the whole publishing process goes out there, and you and you just don't know. Oh, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> it's very weird. And like, yeah, like you say, the whole process takes a long time of all the proofreading and editing, and then sort of writing press releases and designing the jacket mm. and, and all of those things. But it has been a lovely experience. Um, you know, it's nice to be with a proper publisher who you know have designed a lovely cover for it and stuff like that interesting thing um if you've looked at the cover of my book i'd love to know what you see in it because i think it's one of those where people see you know people see what they want to see i think it's like two women sort of two female faces looking away from one another because oh Oh, I'm look. totally looking now. It's, yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna add to this uh, interesting audio content by looking at yeah. the picture. Yeah, yeah same. We should, same. We should um, somehow reference. Oh, yeah. We could. We could allow your listeners to see the book cover somehow. I guess they'll have to just look it up. Nah, but, fucking, <laughs> fucking. This is this is a great way to get them googling great. it. Yeah, well done. Googling she knows it. what she's doing. Hey, it's totally women looking it, away from each other. Yeah. Or a vase, a vase, or a lovely You see, it could, be a, it could be a vase, but that'd be less to do with breakups. Because the, the first design I was sent, I thought looked more like a man and a woman looking away from each other. Um, and I got them to change it, partly because the book is all about symmetry and symmetry that's only ever so slightly off um, because the two halves of the book sort of cover the same period of time. But also I thought, because I'm a, a you know, big old queer author, it, it, should, <laughs> it should really have two women if, if we do think it looks like people or like faces, which I'm not sure it does. <laughs> and I'm not even sure why we tend to think a certain face shape is more female or male anyway it, that's yeah. quite a peculiar notion but that's sort of what what I see in it um and I do think it's very very subtly that having those sort of two perhaps feminized or female faces on it perhaps just hints at the fact that it's you know a book that looks at breakups through a slightly different lens than the sort of very heteronormative one. And I just wanted to to kind of hint at that a tiny bit because I do like uh, representing different types of relationships as well as just the ones we always hear about. And I've made a great effort to talk about you know, all kinds of people and, and look at things like how polyamory changes the conversation about breakups when you have more than one breakup or to think about, you know, how for asexual people, they define their relationships or, you know, all of these, uh, all of these kind of questions. So I think, you know, it, it kind of goes beyond the the very, very kind of standard heteronormative narrative that, that we always hear about a divorce. And that's why I called it the breakup monologues as well, because there are people who talk about divorce. But of course, you know, in my community, we haven't even been able to get married all along. So <laughs> I mean, it's probably it's probably good because I, I say in the introduction that I'd be like the lesbian Joan Collins. I would have probably had about five divorces. <laughs> <laughs> let's give the book, let's give the book its proper deserved full title. So the book is called The Breakup Monologues, The Unexpected Joy of Heartbreak. Were you, um, what was going on in your head when you wrote that? Because there is no joy. <laughs> what, 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 what was going on? Were you on a sugar high? What was it? Yeah. It depends whose heart is breaking. Yeah. I must, have, I must have been on some kind of strange high. I'm sorry there, Dame Beebe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I no. Seriously, I do think, and I know, I know you think I'm, I'm talking absolute rubbish. Um, I think that 
is an unexpected joy to heartbreak because I think that breakups can be an incredible opportunity for learning and growth. <laughs> she's starting to she's starting to come around <laughs> to the idea, isn't she, Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> honestly in that time after a breakup you're suddenly confronted with yourself and you can you have this opportunity for thinking about the relationship and whether it was actually the right one for you in the first place and thinking about what you want in a relationship thinking about where you didn't communicate that well about what you want in a relationship and thinking about how to make a better partner choice going forwards and how to articulate your needs and desires and boundaries much better what's particularly interesting for me is that I am in now my most sort of successful and emotionally articulate relationship but it took me until my mid-40s to meet somebody I could really have a proper grown-up relationship with where we could talk about things Um, (laughs) and I think that is largely down to this whole adventure that I went on when I wrote my first book which was called Is Monogamy Dead where I in a very tentative way, dipped my toes into the world of polyamory and was chatting to a lot of people who'd opened up their relationships. And I went and did comedy at a sex party. And I was sort of <laughs> open. <laughs> that, that was a fun gig, but honestly, you cannot go on too long, just five minutes. <laughs> people are impatient. You're the foreplay. <laughs> literally warm them up that's literally literally the the lubrication Um, (laughs) um, so I did all these things that I think opened my eyes and ears and mind to the idea of communicating and really negotiating what your relationship is and I think in my sort of previous monogamy world relationships had always been assumed to be monogamous and assumed to play out to a certain script and narrative and I just think I met so many people who were opening up their relationships and defining their relationships in new and different ways perhaps they were calling themselves relationship anarchists which I rather like although when I Mm. when I went to a relationship anarchy meeting it was the least anarchic meeting I've ever been to we had (laughs) It was disappointing. Point one. We had an agenda. We did. And we tore it up after. And we queued up outside the room until it was ready. (laughs) I like this idea of reinventing and reinvestigating some of these traditional rules we've had around relationships and looking at where some of those have come from because some of them are incredibly patriarchal and actually don't necessarily embrace female sexuality in a way that benefits us so I was really interested in how that opened my mind to how to do monogamous relationships better and communicate about all the things around consent and boundaries needs desires you know what even monogamy or being faithful actually means I think I think it really opened my eyes to how to do that better Rosie, why were you so grown up about it? Why didn't you just start hating yourself like the rest of us do? <laughs> well, <laughs> I certainly have had phases of, of 
that sort of self-hatred and um, existential despair. And I think that's what propelled me to investigate all of this and look at why some of my relationships had ended very badly or been quite traumatic and and had had such poor communication throughout um probably my most painful relationship was somebody who was with somebody who wasn't out although she did try to reassure me by saying that her parents had enjoyed the film Brokeback Mountain um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hardly giving a great sense of how gay relationships can turn out. Um, <laughs> and, and famously, she was the woman who uh, broke up with me by email, which nice. started this whole process of me looking at breakups through my comedy shows and my podcast, and then obviously the book, The Breakup Monologues. So, yeah, I think being a comedian or a writer, a performer, a creative person like we are, I think when difficult things happen, you do somehow have this weird advantage in a way of thinking, right, I can use this (laughs) as material. And I think that process of using something as material is actually very therapeutic. Mm. Like it it sounds um, sort of like it's, kind of one big circle of like learning about your relationship and how you come to relationships and talking about it to other people uh, and then being able to move on to a, a healthy relationship like but it's I mean obviously we can't all do that but do you have any advice for anyone how they can kind of not do the same but a, approach breakups or uh, going to new relationships uh, without without having to do a whole podcast and a book about it <laughs> yeah well I don't want too much competition so you don't all no. have to go that. Um, no. <laughs> no well I think <laughs> I yeah I think firstly it is about choosing somebody who you have not necessarily common interests in that superficial way that, I mean, dating websites, certainly in in days gone by, oh God, I remember being on on one that would send your ideal matches to you and it only sent me my own profile. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know there's a dearth of lesbians, but seriously. (laughs) And it it calculated that I was only a 73% match. Oh, no. Not even a hundred percent with myself. Uh, at least sixty-nine. You should get the comedy value of that. Yeah, that would I mean, be better, it? That'd be better. Yeah. Yeah, dating websites, I think, in the old days, certainly. I mean, some of them have quite sophisticated questionnaires now. And I, I do remember I filled one very lengthy questionnaire in and it said my ideal relationship model was Bill and Hillary Clinton, which again, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but, but I think they used to match you on very superficial things like do you like the same music or films, which I don't mm. think that stuff is necessarily that important. It's quite convenient, but you can always go to the movies with a different friend if you want to, mm. if, you know, my girlfriend quite likes, um, you know, more blockbustery, action-y, superhero films, and I'm I'm a total snob, and I like, <laughs> you know, art house things with subtitles. Um, so we are quite different in those kind of tastes. There'll occasionally be a crossover thing, like an intelligent blockbuster, you know, something like Inception or something like that, where I'm like, oh, you know, I do have to think a bit, um, but it's also got a bit of action, you know, film mm. starry names as well. 
Um, <laughs> but I think it's about having shared goals and values. And I think if you can have the kind of conversations on early dates where you get to you get to grips and you get to the nitty gritty of of that and what somebody is about in the world, I think that you know that will help you feel like you're you're making a choice that that might might be a better match for you. I mean, it's still difficult. Like I take great pains in the book to demonstrate how, even though I've done all this learning from my past breakups and relationship roller coaster in the past, and now I'm in this relationship I'm trying to make work, I do take great pains to show how complicated and difficult it is and how sometimes we really annoy each other. And <laughs> you know, there's one chapter mm-hmm. called Hormonal Hell set on this boating holiday <laughs> where we're both uh, premenstrual and perimenopausal and you know just both in terrible terrible moods on this terrible little boat that's um very cramped and a bit dirty and really not very pleasant and we don't know how to work the locks either and how to oh. navigate the barge through those so it's it's a nightmare um <laughs> you know but oh my what a great God. analogy for life though yeah <laughs> isn't it isn't it? You just described life, Rosie Wilby. It'll keep bashing into walls all the time. Exactly, that's it. So it's part memoir and part investigation, which I love that actually. I love it. I love the combination. So kind of you explore kind of everything. Yes. I breadcrumbing. Yes. What's what's breadcrumbing? Well, there's mm. this whole new lexicon of dating, isn't there, particularly around how you can dump somebody. And so there is a chapter, the lexicon of breakups where I chat through all of these terms like ghosting and breadcrumbing and well icing is another one where you put somebody on ice but I've heard from the gay male community there's a ruder meaning but there we are um, <laughs> <laughs> mime it you don't tell us just mime it <laughs> um but yeah, breadcrumbing <laughs> is where you just lead someone on with little breadcrumbs, effectively, but you don't really mean anything by it. It's kind of leading somebody on with the, the hot and cold, you know, hot floaty yeah. texts, and then you just oh, go cold. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're all variants on ghosting, which we've become quite familiar with, where somebody just disappears. But there's then all these variants of that, like submarining, where you ghost them and then pop up again every so often, mm. or marrying, <laughs> uh, marrying, where you pop up at Christmas. Oh. Christmas. Oh, it was a group text. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, Christmas and New Year. That's where you've got to be careful. Marley, old... that's absolutely brilliant. Oh, that's never terrible. heard of that. I've never heard of that. How does your partner feel about you being called the Queen of Breakups? <laughs> like when you're trapped on a boat somewhere in the middle, being all merry many pauses, does she not want to just throw your manuscript at you and go, there you go, there's some more material for you? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <next> question. <laughs> um, you worried about your your brand being breakup? Yeah. Well, in in a way, although I think what I've done in the book is very carefully explained how I feel that breaking up and staying together are sort of very interlinked and and weave in and out of one another because I believe that staying together is really just an ongoing conscious choice, not to break up when sometimes it might feel like that is what you want to do after you've had a really horrific argument potentially on a boat when you're perimenopause or just hypothetically <laughs> speaking um but and then there's no escape really anyway um just sort of running down the towpath uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i think um 
you know, it's it's all about how those two things are really, really interlinked. And so I I really feel that my brand is about talking about breakups and relationships and the, the relationship between those two things. So a lot as much as it's about recovering from a heartbreak it's also about how do we pick ourselves up after a heartbreak turn that into a new exciting adventure and meet somebody we're even more compatible with than than the person that we broke up with or and also then how do we stay together and how do we make that relationship work having learned something from our past breakups and those times spent single when we can often feel quite empowered and alive and we start exciting new work projects and creative projects so I I think those two things are, are very much weaved in together in the book because as much as it's about breakups and other people's breakup stories and the science of heartbreak and how that all works it is also about navigating actually staying together and deciding not to break up. I've got two questions, Mary. Mm. Rosie, before you tell us some of the famous contributors in your book, because you had you had your fabulous podcast that Miranda's been on, I haven't. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. No, don't you dare. Don't you dare insult me. But, <laughs> but before you tell us the famous contributors in your book, have you got anyone single? Because I really want to get married. Have I got anyone? Have I got anyone? That's like I've got some kind of dungeon. <laughs> well, have you got in your yeah. dungeon, in your dungeon, in the cupboard behind you? Because I can see his hand. I've been watching a hand try and if scrape himself out. Um, do you know anyone I can marry? Yes or no? I can't think off the top of my head, baby. Right. Um, do you know, Miranda, do you see that Rosa didn't even think? There was like, she didn't even... She's done oh, I think I think there was a lot of thinking there. No, I, I think, think there was no. Sense, I think nothing. there was thinking, and there was yeah. panicking, and then there was just a definite no. Mm. Okay, well, a suck you both, <laughs> and b, please tell us the famous contributors in your book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, there's loads of brilliant people who've been on the podcast who shared thoughts and insights with me and also song recommendations for the breakup playlist Ooh. that's in the middle. Of oh, the cool. Yeah. Like what? Um, oh, crumbs. Um, well, uh, Sophie Hagen, Danish comedian, told me about the song, the meatloaf song, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, and how she, <laughs> <laughs> how she used that when she was a teenager as a way of telling this guy that she wasn't really that into him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the lyrics. But don't be sabotaging. Yeah, but I'm never oh, yeah. going to love you. Oh, so yeah, don't nice. be sad because two eight yeah. out of three ain't three, bad. Eight, but it's, it's still generally a song that I think people accept as a kind of like, it's a nice, it's supposed to be a positive song. Two out of three ain't but, bad, darling. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sweetheart. <laughs> oh, my God. It could have been Paradise by Dashboard, which would have been a whole new thing. Um, and so who have you got? Richard Herring? Yeah, Richard Herring came onto the podcast. And so there's a few insights from him about his early impressions of love that he got from his parents and looking around him at relationship models. Um, there's people like Aisha Hazarika. There's um, Katie Brand, Miranda Sawyer. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great to sort of have that wealth of 
interesting, funny friends and colleagues to to draw on for stories and insights, but also, as I say, kind of put my own personal story of uh, going to the sex lab, which I think you hinted at earlier, where I mm. I went to watch erotica and was uh, had my genital arousal measured. Oh, <laughs> how did you do? How did how did you do? <laughs> did you, <laughs> you insert, were you invited back? You insert a little device called well, I call oh. it a techno tampon. It's called a plasmograph. <laughs> um, so I detail the weird experience of of watching erotica in the science lab, and I I kind of think it's interesting to think about our sexual identities um, in in that way of how our sort of cultural, political and social identities marry up with what we might actually be turned on by, because I don't know if they completely match up for me, because I think, you know, if you were purely talking about people I might fancy hypothetically or have fancied in the past, that might be broader than just one particular sex, you know, but I do label myself a lesbian because I'm much more likely to have my romantic committed relationships with women but I do believe it's more complex than that I just think labels have been a good shorthand for sort of telling people you know who you're likely to end up with in in a much more committed long-term sense but you know I mean for a lesbian I'm surprisingly fine with penises I'm okay with them <laughs> As a heterosexual woman I'm disgusted by them <laughs> ridiculous I just want to get Miranda, that on a T-shirt. Where do you, where I'm do you fine stand with on, penises. Where do you stand on the cock, Miranda? <laughs> only on, <laughs> only for money. With heels, yeah. <laughs> with heels for money. Oh, <laughs> uh, so where can people find the book? Is it out now? It is out now. Yes, indeed. So it's on all of the, you know, book places. Um, obviously, you could follow me on Twitter at Rosie Wilby and my pin tweet there has the link to some of the main places you can you can go and buy it like obviously waterstones amazon bookshop.org and um yeah so Miriam, there's been some really lovely press around the book and i really love the journey of the features rosie these really i just thought this is so cute so there's a red review so it's yeah quote ever since she was dumped over email by her girlfriend in 2011 comedian rosie wilby has been fascinated by heartbreak follow her journey to finding joy in this gem of a book beautiful then there's a piece of yai Breaking up doesn't have to be a bad thing. And then good housekeeping. I finally said yes to marriage. You've just done the whole <laughs> evolutionary scale of, of relationships there. It kind of works. It's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You go on a long, long journey over a number of years and then you release a book and suddenly you're asked to write newspaper features. And obviously you're <laughs> thinking of different parts of the story for different publications. Yeah. So like you say, you end up with this kind of smorgasbord of articles that you've written within a short space of time that actually go through a, a very long journey um what in, in what seems a short space of time so yeah I've written about I think um writing about being able to get married finally was um was a really nice thing to be able to write because of yeah. course for so many years I thought that wasn't something accessible to me at all and then for some years I also thought maybe I wouldn't want to because I do think the queer community have come up with creative solutions to monogamy and marriage and looking at relationships in different ways, which I think is is quite interesting. So there's a part of me that wants to be all radical and rebellious and sort of, you know, not conform and not not buy into uh, these kind of structures. But then equally, 
I now think that changing the face of marriage and these structures is probably equally radical. And ultimately, you know, it is quite useful um, as an equality, you know, thing and having equal legal rights and so on. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we're in a really interesting time for queer people and people who are outside of that non-normative, you know, narrative and paradigm. So, uh, you know, I was keen to include some of those voices in in my book. And another thing that I was I was thinking about actually um, that I haven't talked about much in the book or interviews and stuff, but someone was asking me about what not to do after a breakup. And I remembered how after my very first breakup, I appeared on, and this is a long time ago now, you may not remember, God. I appeared on a reality TV dating show called Chained. And I have not talked about this much, but I, I, I kind of blanked it from my memory, but I thought I thought Mary and Bibi would find this funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a dating show where you were, all the kind of possible suitors, love interests, were all chained together and lived in a flat in Hackney for a week on this big long chain. And you had to like literally all sit and wait outside the toilet while each of you went and had a shower oh, and went to the toilet. It's very weird. And then we went around London, around gay bars and around all these places, because obviously the episode I was on was the lesbian episode, which was quite, you know, controversial back back then. This is sort of going back to Oh God, about 20 years ago, um, wow. you know, so I was chained to about six or seven lesbians and I got through to the final two, you know, <laughs> we would like, I was chained to two other women and we were battling out over who got to have the final date with the woman at the end. And it was really bonkers. It was a very strange experience. And I dread to think if there are any old clips still available anywhere. I really hope not. Oh, no, no, I I've, really... I've seen it. I've seen it. It's just called The Human Centipede, but it's yes. available on DVD. <laughs> Oh my god! Weird. We that didn't was... quite get to those levels. <laughs> no, but not that so sounds. Not Do you know that really rings a bell to me? I sh- I know that. Chained at the sure. ankle. Of course, together. that makes it so much better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I did, Mary was making it. You know, <laughs> seems very seems that's my job. <laughs> I know it is your job. <laughs> so, so the big tip about what not to do after a breakup is. Um, well, let's have two t- tips. Don't send someone to meatloaf because that's just mean, unless it's actual meatloaf, which is delicious. Um, and um, don't don't chain yourself, or at least don't do it on national TV. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I I think I wasn't quite in my right rational frame of mind after <laughs> this breakup. And so when a TV producer says, "Hey, do you want to come and live in this house in Hackney and be chained to six other lesbians for a week?" I kind of thought somehow it'd be some kind of escape from my torment. <laughs> I mean, now Jesus I know Christ. how they get people on naked attraction. So this has solved a lot of answers for yeah. me. <laughs> but did you did you make it into the final? Did you get have the date? What happened? Well, I think what happened was like we me and the other woman got to each have a date with this woman called Rachel. I even remember her name. I sort of remember her because <laughs> she worked in this day bar. So I kept bumping into her afterwards. Um, <laughs> and she and she was choosing between us. She actually chose the other girl, but I think regretted What? <laughs> but um yeah, now my date um was quite sweet and we had a little uh, picnic up on the top of Hampstead Heath and strawberries Aww. and and champagne. Aww. And um but her date uh, it was quite creative actually they reenacted the pottery scene from ghost 
Jesus you, Christ. Were you still chained to each other? So you still what? had to go on so their date? Oh. I had to go on their date and just sort of sit at the edge <laughs> with a blindfold. <laughs> Blindfold. This is the, the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. Hey, Rosie, and is it true that now you'll only date someone who's got an ankle tag? <laughs> yes, it, there's a nice kind of familiarity about that. I mean, seriously, though, like um, psychologists like Alan de Botton will tell you that we do tend to be attracted to uh, familiar uh, oh God! Don't people, say that. Whether that's good or bad, you know, we we yeah. return to familiar trauma, don't we? So yeah, it's going to say Excuse there's familiar, me. and then there's PTSD. So, <laughs> and then there's probably illegal. Yeah, um, I'm going to read two fabulous reviews. I think um, so. The breakup monologues is out now on Bloomsbury, and the reviews are fab. So, quote: My favourite way to learn is when a funny, clever, honest person is teaching me. That's why I love Rosie Wilby, and that was written by Rosie Wilby. Oh no, Sarah Pascoe. <laughs> Uh, funny, sweet, entertaining, insightful, life-affirming. This book is all a breakup is not. <laughs> Rose's wisdom is balm for the soul for anyone who's been in love with Viv Groskop. Um, oh. Congratulations. I am furious with you, but congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, yeah, final tip for Miranda and I, to not get over love, but to find love. Come on, Rosie. <laughs> Well, I, I think, oh, it sounds corny, but I think loving yourself, um, you know, because I, I think we don't necessarily find love or find love in the way we're expecting to, in the way that we see it in the movies and the songs when we're desperately searching for it. I think it is about finding your connection with yourself, uh, doing things that you love out in the world, whether that be being out in nature. I mean, I love swimming in the sea and we've been going down to Margate a lot recently and I just feel so connected with myself when I go and swim in, you know, in water, in lakes or the sea especially. But um, you know, I think just be at one with yourself and, and build that relationship with yourself. Do things that you love doing. Hang out with friends. I mean, you know, you two have this amazing rapport. I know you pretend to, uh, to fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but building your other friendships and actually hanging out with people that you love and that make you laugh will really build that relationship and that joy that you have with yourself and with life. And that is attractive and people will come to you. I mean, when I was, you know, dating before I met my, my fiance now, um, I, I kind of had this realization that I had way more choices than I'd ever thought. I think I'd always thought that being a lesbian meant that there were limited choices and there are less choices like certainly if you go on tinder sometimes you you whiz through all the women and you get to the <laughs> there's nobody new around you message like really quickly <laughs> <laughs> but actually when i thought about it there are you know tons and tons of people out there tons of really exciting and interesting women i think i had just kind of limited my own sense of of possibility and also I think because I started doing interesting things in the world that interest me and doing all this comedy and podcasting and writing I think because I feel fulfilled I get more people I don't know kind of being interested in me and I, I you know I was the last time I was dating I was 45 and I thought you know in our society we tend to think of women being a bit past it 
by then, but I actually felt I had more interested people, more kind of, hey, Rosie, how are you? Want to go out on a date kind of messages than I'd ever had when I was single, when I was, you know, 26 or whatever. Um, So I do think that it's about growing as a person and being who you are and being happy with that, that, because that will be appealing to other people. I absolutely love that. And it's almost, you get to a stage where you actually, you might attract someone you don't actually need to. Everything else is kind of in place and you're loving your life. And oh, I love that. Oh, Rosie, that's so lovely. Did you write any of that down, Miranda? (laughs) <laughs> yes uh i All got of it. two out of three eight bad <laughs> there you go <laughs> can i tell you about our hell story bit that was <laughs> when i when i went to get my tattoo yes when i went to get my tattoo i was sitting there a bit nervous and um a man came out of the room where he was having a tattoo crying holding the bat out of hell album cover <laughs> uh-huh. so i think he had it all on his back but he was crying oh. anyway Rosie, I hope we see you soon. I hope so too. I like in real life. Yeah. In real life. Yeah, that would be That's nice, wouldn't life. it? Oh, yeah, BB's going to so take that as an invite to go on your podcast. So oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'd be very I brought welcome. my chains. I've got some chains. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come with your ankle tag and you'll be very welcome. <laughs> oh. I love Rosie. I love Rosie. I love Rosie. Why does Rosie prefer you to me? Why do you think? Uh, there are many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've only got two minutes to do the outro. So. <laughs> um, book sounds fab, doesn't it? Yeah, I really love like how it goes full circle. It's not just break up, break up, break up, but it's about using that and going into the next relationship. And there's content, actually content and context. I said cocktails then, mm. which I didn't mean. And I don't, and I don't, don't act genuinely think it's a word. Um, yeah, breakup monologues, uh, absolutely brilliant. Out now on Bloomsbury. My name is BB Lynch. I'm Miranda Kane. Good Sex, Bad Sex was produced by Juliet Nichols for Metro.co.uk. And you can get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Good Sex. If you just, if you just put in Google, Good Sex, Bad Sex, you'll find us. And if you um, want to get in touch with us, just slide into our little DMs. Why are you telling people to do that? Because we want to hear from them, just in case they've got a sexy question or query or if they just want to be on the show, if they've got something. Or if they're just like, you know, going to waffle on about themselves. Not that interested in you. Not that interested. Not that interested. Um, Yeah, so please, you're very welcome. Um, And we will, um, well, God willing, see you next week. 